1: Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plant. Have you ever had to prep a sermon and you just looked at your bookshelf and you didn't have enough of what you needed? Well, you don't have to do that. Go to Logos.com. Logos Bible Software has everything that you need at pretty much at your fingertips because you're literally typing stuff in, and with the click of a mouse button. You can open the entire C.H. Spurgeon Library. You can look up original languages, word studies. I mean, this thing is like the Lollapalooza of church planning information. You can have a little mini concert in your sermon prep right there. All the greats kind of gathered around and picking their brains and putting them into your sermon. And you want to check out LogosBibleSoftware.com. They'll actually make you look smarter than you actually are. Hey, church planner. This is Peyton Jones. Welcome to Hardcore Church Planting. Got an author on here for you today. He's written a book. Uh, it's called Leading the Other Way, How to Change the Church Planning World. And this rebel is my kind of scum, as Jabba the Hutt said, because, um, he thinks a little outside the box and, uh, maybe thinks that a lot of people talk in church planning are getting it wrong. And I like those kind of fighting words. I like to hear it kind of mixed up a bit and assumptions challenged. It's J.D. Pairing. He is the director of Excel Leadership Network. J.D., welcome on to Hardcore.
0: It's great to be here. I love being announced as uh, my kind of scum. Yeah, That's- well,
1: you know, it it happens when you're on this uh, Church Planner Podcast. i got to be honest with you. Um, anything can happen. Wait till the end. So, <laughs> if you've not listened, then uh, you'll just have fun. Otherwise, you know what's coming. So, uh, J.D., welcome on Boardman. Tell us a little bit, first off, about you, how you came to faith, and how you got involved in church planning.
0: Well, I was raised in an Irish Catholic family. Both of my grandmothers would point at me and say, hey, you're going to be the priest in the family. So naturally, I ran from that. I just said, God, um, maybe later, but I'm certainly never going to stand up in front of anybody and talk about you. So I ran, got involved in some uh, stuff, ended up at UCLA in a uh, what turned out to be a drug fraternity. And there I got to see everything the world had to offer. Um, drug, sex, rock and roll. Back then we called it wine, women, and song. And um, it was all just so empty. A <clears throat> friend of mine invited me, one of our fraternity brothers invited me and another guy on a retreat with a crew, Campus Crusade. We went up to that. I remember praying, God, take care of me this weekend because you and I were the only two Catholics at this deal. But it was there that uh, I heard the speaker talking about the love of Jesus loves you. I'd heard that a million times but it finally dawned on me. If God loves me, why am I running from him? What he has for me is best. So I committed my life to him. Driving down the hill, thought I'd be a priest. Uh, that was certainly not, um, the plan Uh, ended up. We saw, we saw a bunch of guys in our drug fraternity come to Christ. And, uh, it was kind of cool. We were the half drug, half Christian fraternity. (laughs) You had to pick a side when you came in. Uh, we played together on the intramural teams, but other than that, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a great time. Um, and then from there, I, uh, I wanted to give my life to God, full-time ministry, but I didn't want to just do the same old stuff that I've been told. And church planting became an option for me.
1: Very cool, man. Well, tell me a little bit about your um, your first church plant.
0: We, <clears throat> my wife and I were we were kids. It was uh, we started July first, 1983, and our brilliant people. Our first service was July third. So we had two days to build a launch team and all that. I remember we had we had 25 people at our first uh service there in northeast Colorado Springs. Um, three of which were my wife, myself, and our nine month old daughter. And um it was actually great. It took off a couple weeks later, we had fifty and then a hundred, and um uh it was going well. Um And I had a denominational rep who was leading me, kind of my coach. But I remember one year in, we'd actually helped start another church. We sent off a guy named Tom Niebel, um, who I don't know if you know Tom. He's a kind of a church planting guru. He came and did an internship with us. We sent him off, and we were looking to go into two services. I was driving in the car with my uh, supervisor, denominational rep coach, father figure, Bob, and I'm asking him all these questions about going to two services, what do we do with, we just sent Tom out, What are we? how are we can take care of him, all this stuff, and I'm asking him all these questions, and <clears throat> he had the same answer for everything. Uh, give it a shot, why don't you try it, um, maybe you should go for that, let me know how it goes, and two things happened, one, I realized that um, I was a guinea pig um, in our denomination, uh, and back there, there wasn't a ton of church planning going on, but the other thing was I need more than Bob. I need, I need something. God gave me a vision to bring church planners and leaders together to kind of help them. Been working on that ever since. Awesome, man. Very, very cool. Well, hey, I want to talk to you a little bit about the
1: book itself. So, um, I love the fact that you're doing church planning, um, backwards, what, what they would call today the hard way. And uh I don't know. I'm convinced that the hard way is the best way, which is just nice and simple and uh go on. You're going to say something.
0: So say what do you mean by the hard way?
1: I just love that you really, you know, hey, you you, you just hey, a couple of days in, boom, let's go and uh just just win for it.
0: Yeah, well, that that worked out kind of good though but we did another church plant in the bay area and we did it differently than that and then we did one here in uh the Sacramento area and uh took a more strategic approach um i do think it comes down to you know you you get out there you work for god you pray in the power of the holy spirit and go for yeah. it but yeah, there I'm is <laughs> one
1: of those crazy guys that believes like god still turns up if you pray and stuff that's rad <laughs> yes and- let me let me ask you this because I think that ties in in some ways. I came out of a, a movement called Calvary Chapel. I came out of it. I'm no longer yeah. a part of it. But you know, it was interesting because it was started in the Jesus movement. And so you have a lot of the older guys in there who um they would they would look at guys planning today, oh you don't need all that. Oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and what they forget and what I'll often tell younger leaders is a lot of those guys, if they planted in today's atmosphere, they probably wouldn't make it because they had the Holy Spirit, uh, as the wind at their backs and they probably didn't even realize how much he was blowing behind them. And now today we're not living as much. We have the same God, the same Holy Spirit, but we're also not in a time of a, of a great awakening which that was and so i kind of like to 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 point out that a lot of the planters that planted then uh would be a lot like samson with their hair cut off they'd run out to go do more damage and realize i have no strength because the source of my strength back then was that really interesting man i would take this a whole different way if we weren't talking about your book to talk to you about what you've learned as you've moved on farther away from that time and done things a little more strategically. Um, because I'm sure once you planned it like that, you still have that that spine and that backbone, the supporting structures reliance upon God. But I'd love to hear how you balance that.
0: Well, I think um the number one strategy is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit. If you look at, you know what we what we've tried to do in our network is go back to the book of Acts and say, hey, what did they do? Acts 17.6, to me, it's like the hinge verse of the, the book, says uh, these men who've turned the world upside down have come here too. So they turned the world upside down in 17 chapters. Um, and actually, church planning started in, in chapter 13, where Paul and Barnabas are sent off. Four chapters later, they turned the world upside down. So we just say, hey, what did they do? to turn their world upside down. And if you look through the book of Acts, one clear element, um, and, and perhaps the most important thing is that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It starts in Acts 1, verse 8, and then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And, um, you know, theologically, even saying that, I know that just raises a lot of controversy. But but just look at it. Um, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came, it didn't always the Holy Spirit didn't always, uh, come upon them in the same way. They didn't all have the same experiences. Uh, sometimes they spoke in tongues. Uh, sometimes they didn't. There was boldness. There was miracles. Other times there was silence. So, uh, I don't want to get into the theological stuff, but I do know it was a Holy Spirit movement. And we try to get back to, hey, if God's not in this, why are we, why are we doing it for the money? I
1: don't think so. <laughs> Amen. Hey, and you know, it's funny because that—that's the uh, the kind of foundation of most of what I write is that underpinning that this generation needs to rediscover that. I think that's the the fingerprints of of that movement on me. That I was there not too far after it started. I started off in the mid '80s, and it kind of took off in the mid '70s. So uh, most of those guys had really seen and felt that but this is what i like about your title leading the other way what do you mean by
0: that well i think that um others. i've been involved in church planning for 35 years now it seems like we have been doing things um maybe not uh the biblical way uh i, I use the other way because I remember when I was in college, you said working work my way through, i worked at a grocery store, and I had a boss who'd always come in when you're doing something wrong, he'd always come up and say, "Hey, can you guys do that the other way?" and we'd say, <laughs> uh he'd say, "Do it the right way this time um, <laughs> I think there's been uh for the thirty five years I've been involved, I think there's a uh been a systemic uh problem in how we treat church planters. And that uh, the people that get messed up the most, um, get taken advantage of the most, and left on the side of the road the most in church planting are the church planters. Mm. And denominations and uh, churches, and even networks, can get so caught up with, hey, let's start a lot of churches, let's do it, you know, let's get our number, that they forget these guys. And if you look at Acts 13, when church planting, started and missions work started, the Holy Spirit, when he spoke to that church at Antioch, he didn't say, hey, my goal is um, I, I want to start five churches in the next year. You know, He didn't say, he said, take care of Barnabas and Saul, set them apart, um, get behind them. And if you look at that relationship that Paul and Barnabas had with the Antioch church, it was one of support. They'd go out, they'd do their thing, and then they would come back. And um, they, they have this sense of these people are behind us. We're a team. And I think there was even uh financial support. It doesn't say that in Acts 13, but if you look at Acts 12 and Acts 11 even, the church, uh one of the ways that they identified Paul and Barnabas as leaders is they sent an offering with them to take to Jerusalem. So th- that's what I, when I get to the, Doing it the other way is, like, let's get back to supporting church planters and leaders. In in our network, we bet on the jockey, not the horse. And we feel like if you take care of the leader, the planter, your church plant is going to be fine. Mm. It, yeah. So the 70% discrimination- of
1: church plants fail, right? But they've demonstrated that if you assess, train, and coach planters, they have an 85% success rate.
0: Well, actually, I think the 70% failure rate is not quite accurate, but the most recent study is that um, after five years, 68% of church plants are still going. Their average attendance is less than 70. Um, so they struggle along, and the number one reason, this is what gets me, the number one reason why church plants fail and shut down is not a monetary thing, it's not... Um, a family thing, it's unrealistic expectations on the part of the planter and, and lack of support. So, uh, yeah, I think they struggle through and I, you can call that failure, however you want to define that. But yeah, to get, to I'm get just to
1: th- going, I'm going off the, uh, the figures that Ed Setzer quoted and they're, they're old. Granted, they're from 2011, but, um, the reality is that, uh, if that's changed, I don't think it's a failure personally. For a guy to have 70, where I do think the failure comes as if a guy's not reproducing his church.
0: It's amazing how we miss that. We just miss the whole reproduction thing. Again, if you look, what did these guys in Acts do? They were completely committed to uh, reproduction, multiplication, leadership development. Um, Even in Acts 1, when... um, before the Holy Spirit comes, there's eleven of them, and Peter stands up and says, "Hey, we got to we got to get another guy." And I don't know about you, but if I just had to deal with a Judas, I'd be like, "Hey, eleven people on my leadership team is fine." I'd rather have eleven solid. Twelve, 12 but, is the unlucky number, not thirteen. Yes. <laughs> yes. So they were committed to reproduction. Um, that, I, I even get I. I I think it's amazing when Paul and Barnabas have their big fight at the end of chapter 15 and we look at that and uh, there's some regret there. And we think, boy, it was such a sharp disagreement that these two ministry partners had to split up. But the result was reproduction and multiplication. You know, Barnabas took uh, John Mark and he went and did his thing. And Paul said, Hey, who's up next? He uh, found Silas, and my question is, who the heck is Silas? Well, he had a, a bench. He had a team. He had right. people there. So.
1: Right, right. Excellent. You're, you're speaking my love language now. So in in your, your book, you've broken up into three parts. Number one, we have a problem. Number two, changing the church planning world. And number three, so what, now what? So I want to you know you've you've touched a little bit on the problem um you, by the way do you get a lot of heat for that for saying there's a problem problem what problem
0: um not necessarily because most people um in the church planting world have have recognized I was talking to a church planter yesterday and he was telling me about having you know, being promised by his sending church that they were going to give him a bunch of money and they were going to send him some people. And actually what they did is they prayed for him and sent him out on his own. And I said, well, welcome to church planting. You're not a church planter if you haven't really been kind of taken advantage of by yeah. your church or denomination. So um, the the people that would have a problem with, with that are not reading this book.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because... Um Yeah, I get, I get the wrong people reading my book sometimes. I'll be honest with you. But part two is changing the church planning world. And just looking at the titles here, you've got from accidental to acts, from hype to Holy Spirit, from institution to leader, from protection to partnership. And I'm going to stop there because I don't want to like, you know, give everybody the whole book here, but, um, talk on that first part. Um, from accidental to acts. What do you mean by that?
0: Well, you talked about, um, not reproducing your church. and You know, the, um, statistics are that in the United States, at least, only four percentage, four percent of churches are reproducing and half of them, it's, it's not on purpose. So fully 50% of the churches that are started today are, um, what do they call them? splanches, you know, splits, launch. Um, so 96% of churches are not reproducing. You, you know, what we try to get back, look at the book of Acts. It was constantly about reproducing. And we get so caught up in in our stuff that half of our church planting is accidental, and 96% of our churches are on birth control. That's just crazy. That misses the entire point. Um I was just doing some writing. My wife and I were in Europe not too long ago with the, was speaking at a church plant there and our brother was driving us to the place. We stopped at all these cathedrals because he's a big cathedral guy. It was so sad to me to see these cathedrals, uh, partly because the architecture just seemed to, to picture God as being distant. But the other thing was you've got these empty cathedrals that are now tourist traps and museums. Because they missed the point. The point wasn't, hey, look at me and look at my kingdom. The point's reproduction. So uh, that's what I mean by that. Let's get back to um, the, the intentional uh, multiplication and leadership development that we see in the book of Acts, rather than just maybe accidentally we'll start a church here and there.
1: Right. I like it. That Make sense?
0: Yeah, and also one
1: other title that I want to ask you to to unpack a bit. Um and I've read the book. I've I've shown you. I've got bent pages and markings all over it. I you know, when I met you I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to read this guy's book and I I devoured it. I I read it pretty quickly. Um Rapid to Resilient. Unpack that a little bit for us.
0: Well, that's uh that's an interesting um concept because one of the reasons why guys like you and me go into church planting is we want to see something happen now and uh, we, you know we don't want to wait 10 12 14 years in a turnaround church to see finally seeing the the gears shifting where the church is church. so we go into church planting we want to see something happen rapidly and there's a lot of hype out there about, hey, look how fast this is growing, all that sort of stuff. But honestly, um, it takes time. It, it takes mm-hmm. you can get a crowd, but it takes time to turn that crowd into a, a church on mission that's multiplying. So it, it's it's part about just embracing the hardships when you're out there and you're banging your head against the wall. That's that's part of it. If you look at Jesus, um, he had Wow, can you I mean, the, can you imagine the just the disconnect in his ministry where he's doing all these miracles and feeding thousands of people and these great life changing stories, and then uh, everybody's deserting him. So that's just about making sure that we understand it's a long haul, and reproduction's a long haul. Absolutely. Let me
1: let me read, if you don't mind, I want to read a couple quotes out of this. Um You quote at the beginning of that chapter, God is not in a hurry. He's more interested in what you're becoming than where you're going. He will use the time of wandering and sitting to refine your character. He will use whatever time it takes to get you where he needs you to be. I love the next one, which is Steve Snyder. You say the absolute reality is that you're going to get the crap kicked out of you. It's never not happened. And then going into the chapter itself, I like this. When I was growing up, Gilligan's Island was my favorite TV show. It wasn't my favorite because of the gripping plot. Every episode was the same. They had a shot at getting off the island, but Gilligan would mess it up. It wasn't my favorite show because of the incredible acting. Let's face it, they were (laughs) Oscar winners. And it wasn't my favorite show because of the deep lessons it presented. It was my favorite show because it came on at 3.30 right when we got home from school. Brother, I'm connecting with their KCOP channel 13 in Los Angeles, baby. I was there. The neighborhood kids would come over. We'd all have a snack and watch Gilligan. Then my sisters would watch the Brady Bunch while I went outside. Marsha, she thought so well of herself. That's us nice. And Sydney never got included. And I went outside with my friends to play baseball, football, skateball, or uh, basketball. Um, here you go. Gilligan's Island was a silly show, but it made one clear point. Everybody has shipwrecks. Shipwrecks happen to everybody. It doesn't matter if you're the richest person around, you have shipwrecks. And you go on into that. And I love that, um, just that whole insight and, and you know, just kind of like, hey, newsflash church planner, you know, I, I wrote a blog years ago called Smile Stupid, It's Supposed to Suck, you know? And, and then you make this observation, which kind of brings us a little bit full circle. Did you think church planning was going to be easy? Honestly, I have to admit, I kind of did. I was young, naive, arrogant, misguided. I may have subconsciously thought, since I'm really working for God, I am exempt from shipwrecks. And then you, you kick into how Paul went in, you know, Paul got shipwrecked on mission at times. And I just, I love the emphasis that you're giving. It's, it's, I don't think we do church planners any favors by giving them the five silver bullets. We tell them, look, blood, sweat and tears. We must, must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. I think planners need that. So first I want to say thank you. And second, just, uh, I, I thought that chapter was fantastic.
0: Uh, thanks. Um, you know, one thing I love about that uh, story of the shipwreck, cause he has a shipwreck and then he gets snake bit and, <clears throat> and then um, he's on this desert, you know, deserted Island and it's rainy and he's snake, bit. you know, and the thing that, that gets me is, Paul had this vision when he came to Christ, um, the, the Damascus Road moment. He was told he was going to be, uh, the, the apostle to the Jews, but also to Gentiles and to kings. So he's on his way to Rome. He's got this huge vision, which I think most of us as church planners have this huge vision. And he ends up on this island of Malta, where, you know, and it's like, and I think this happens to so many of us in ministry. We're like, hey, I'm going to Rome. We end up on Malta. But the cool thing was on Malta, um, you know, I guess the governor or whatever, his, his dad was sick. They called Poland. There's this incredible revival that takes place. Everybody is healed. Malta is still uh, primarily a Christian island to this day, 2,000 years ago. And there's this incredible ministry that happens. I just think of the guy on Malta who's saying, God, I don't know if you're out there, but my... You know, my son's sick. Will you send something? Will you do something? And then Apostle Paul shows up. But here's what gets me is we, we go through these shipwrecks and get uh, in our minds, you know, we get detoured off our road when God's got it all, and, 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 you know, it's in his plan. And your Malta church planter, that might be just the incredible ministry that God has for you. And if, if it's just a, um, a resting spot, use your terminology. If you're just sitting there in your jail for a little bit, I get how difficult that is, but don't miss your Malta mm. because, um, God has you wherever you are. Maybe it's some tiny little sagebrush town and you're thinking, what in the world am I doing here? I want to go to Rome. Um, uh, don't get so caught up in that that you miss the incredible ministry opportunities that are around us. Because I know, I, you know, I struggled uh, when we were in Colorado. I'm thinking, I'm a California guy. What am I doing here? And uh, it, it's easy to miss the major ministry that God has in front of you. Mm,
1: that's a good word, brother. It's a really good word. Well, hey guys, my guest today. Has been JD Pairing. The book is Leading the Other Way How to Change a Church Planning World. Highly recommend that you get it and that you read it. So, um, JD, if people want to get in touch with you, where would be the best place?
0: The best place? Um, just go to our website. It's excelnetwork.org. Excelnetwork.org. Um, I can give you my number, too. I can give you my cell phone, cell phone number, man. Too.
1: Yeah, that's up to you. It's, yeah.
0: it's 916 six two eight three three oh three call me anytime operators are standing by so go to our website and check out what we do we're here to support church planners and and leaders if you need support as a church planner we're here for you very cool man very cool
1: well hey um guys definitely check out uh his book and wanted to also uh our final question we always have it and uh i want to ask you jd if you were to get into a physical fist fight with Chris Lagerlof, who
0: would win? Chris has lost a lot of weight lately. So I would say I think I could uh, – if I could just get him so I could sit on him. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to lose weight, but Chris has been running these marathons and stuff. so He has. So he he's, he's got endurance now. Yeah, he does have endurance. Um, I'd have to trip him otherwise he would run away, but uh, but it would be close. We're we're both big UCLA fans by the way. So, we probably, probably end up uh, out and find yeah, the common ground. So he's a Dodger fan and I'm much more biblical. I'm an Angel fan. Oh yeah, so, of course. Yeah, all just, the way, baby. I was yeah.
1: a, I was a Dodgers fan as a kid, but I never followed baseball. I just had a hat, so that made me a fan. And then uh, when I got older, uh, I went to so many things in Angels Stadium that I think by proxy now, I have to be an Angels fan
0: if I like well, baseball. If you've committed your life to Christ, I think it's pretty normal just to go right to the Angels from wherever you were.
1: I, well, and not only that, I mean, that's where Greg Laurie would do his Harvest Crusade. So, I mean, you know, there, it was kind of like a gateway to heaven for some people. So, there you go. weird, bizarre, and cultish. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, hey, J.D., thanks so much for coming on. Guys, check out the book. Again, it's Leading the Other Way, How to Change a Church Planning World, J.D. Pairing. And uh, again, thanks for joining us for Hardcore Church planning. Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to our number one sponsor. They've been with us for years. I know them personally. Uh, The founder is Josh Henry. He is an ex-church planner. If you wonder why we have so much fun with SimplifyChurch.com's ads, it's simply because we love these guys. We believe in them. I have used them. Gosh, as a church planner, I found them and have been using them for donkey's years. And if you don't know, that means a really long time. So head on over to SimplifyChurch.com. They're going to help you do all the stuff that you need to do, but nobody taught you to do in seminary. Things like bookkeeping, uh, payroll, um, you know, sit, uh, dealing with the IRS, making sure you're compliant, sending any of your uh, donor receipts if you haven't done that yet, tis the season, Uh, You have until the end of January to get those out to your people. So make sure you head on over to SimplifyChurch.com and let them simplify your church. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.